Hi, everyone. Welcome to News and Brew Sports Biz, our to the point video and podcast series where we advocate for the financial voices in college athletics and feature new developments impacting the business of college sports. I'm Katie Davis, and I'm joined by my partner, Ken Kurtzel, and we are the leaders of the James Moore Collegiate Athletics team. We're excited to have you join us today as Katie and I chat with our special guest and colleague, Marie Hibbert. She is the Director of Business Intelligence and Data Analytics for our firm. Hi, Marie. Hi. A topic that we've discussed a lot on here is the idea of telling your financial story and utilizing financial information to proactively support your strategic goals. Yeah, and you know, something we hear a lot is that um, business offices have a lot of pain points around this. And you know, gathering financial information is time consuming, especially when you have to follow your university's general ledger structure that may not align with your EADA or NCAA reporting. Um, and it may be a little bit difficult to really tie in uh, some of your financial information to um, normal uh, decision making because it takes so long to get that information together. Um, so we have some ideas and this is what we really want to share today. Um, funny thing is I um, you know, had a conversation last week with a business manager who said he would pay $5,000 out of his personal money to save time that he spent preparing financials. Um, so, I mean, I can definitely say um, with confidence there's a need for some ways where you can work smarter as opposed to working harder. And, you know, a lot of you have data analytics um, professionals or tools that are on staff. And of course, those um, individuals are generally utilized for revenue generating activities um, or other external operations. Um, but we know that the business offices very rarely invest in themselves, especially when budgets are tight. And we just wanna give you some thoughts where you can maybe think through a different way of how you can maybe utilize data analytics within the business office to help make your jobs easier, uh, maybe even fill some vacant positions and um, help you focus more time on um, telling your financial story and driving change as opposed to gathering information. So um, with that, um, Marie, uh, tell us a little bit about data wrangling. <laughs> so I think when I first heard the term data wrangling, I had this vision of my mind of a cowboy with a lasso and those like huge like Sesame Street letters, right? And he was wrangling the, the Sesame Street letters. But really data wrangling is the repetitive exercise that is undertaken, you know, whether that's on a weekly, daily or monthly basis to pull all of the data together, right? Oftentimes, we're working on reporting or we're trying to answer a hard business question. It'd be great if all that data was in one system, but oftentimes, right, it's not. It's going to be in a bunch of disparate systems and you're going to try to cobble it together in Excel and inevitably, right, the formatting's wrong and there's extra rows. So you're just spending a lot of time just massaging and manipulating the data instead of actually being able to analyze it. So the concept of data wrangling is really about being able to go into these source systems pull down, down the data in kind of a repeatable fashion and normalize it, right? Get it to a format that allows you to actually interact with it in a different way. That's fascinating, Marie. So to analyze that data, it kind of implies that, um, that they first need to know what they want to measure. So how do you recommend that athletic business officers identify what they need to measure? Right. So I think the first thing is like, what are the 
the the questions you're trying to answer? What are the problems you're trying to solve for? Are you trying to understand why expenses are increasing? Are you trying to understand, you know, what's going on with revenue? Why there are certain patterns in your data? Are you surprised by a number that comes through that you didn't expect? You know, or alternatively, are there strategic objectives that you as your pro that you know in the program you're trying to um, hit certain targets. So I think the first exercise is to understand before you even start going to collect the data, what do we want to know? What questions am I being asked that I can't provide timely information um, on, or I just I can't answer the question because I don't even know where you know where to start, or I don't think I have access to the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think so mm-hmm. often athletics business managers have a lot to share. Um, This year has been a little different, of course, when you're living in your budget every day. Um, But in normal years, oftentimes um, the business office, it acts more as a historian as far as financial reporting and especially as it ties in with key performance indicators or metrics that others, you know, rely on or care about. And so that's something that, um, you know, we think that if you have the ability to really come with really good information up front. You can help to support your athletic directors and the rest of your strategic team and even your university as a whole with better information to help with decision making up front. Um, But of course, you know, you have your metrics and you have the data that you've wrangled. So now, of course, you have to tell the story. And we say a lot about putting color around the numbers and, and a picture's worth a thousand words. And how is it that you do that and use the data to tell your story, Marie? Well, I think you have to be really careful about which visualizations that you're using to tell your story, right? It's great to have pretty pictures and to have summarized data, but if the graphic that you're using or the visualization you're using isn't actually representative of what you're trying to get across in a meeting, people will get lost in the details. So if you're showing a bar bar graph and it would have been better as a pie chart, right? It would have been more impactful. It would have shown the information better. I think people lose sight sometimes of how to represent the data in a way that's meaningful, right? Because you don't want to have to spend so much time articulating what that visual is trying to get across. You really want to make sure that you're pairing the right visualization with the messaging you're trying to impart on whoever the audience is. Mm-hmm. So as you're looking at that, um, you know, how often do you recommend that they're looking at this data to help tell a story? And and are there other ways? I mean, in addition to the visuals like a pie chart or a graph, like are there other things and other ways that you can tell help to tell the story, especially if you're mingling in financial and non-financial information? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think Ultimately, right, the, how often are you doing the data exercise really depends on who's asking the question and how often are they asking the question. I mean, there's obviously, as you automate the data wrangling process, you have this ability now to do it more often. You're not stuck with only doing it once a quarter or once a year because the exercise is so painful, right, and the entire staff run out of the building because it's time to do the data exercise, right? So, you know, as you automate those processes and you make it more repeatable, you're able to then start doing it daily or weekly or monthly. And I think the advantage then is that you get to feel what the data is doing. I know that sounds sort of strange, right? But you get to sort of see the patterns. The more you're interacting with the data, the more you sort of understand what it's doing. And so, you know, I think part of that answer is 
you can do it as often as you like, as long as the cost benefit is there, right? If it's very costly to acquire the data, whether that's from a time or monetary perspective, you might not do it that often, right? Like if it's, it's super time intensive, everybody's got limited hours in the day. And in terms of the visualizations and even the insights, you know, with machine learning and, and AI, I know those are like really big buzz terms, but when you are able to centralize your data on a platform, whether that's Tableau or Click or Power BI, um, a lot of the tools now have this ability, right? We're human. We can only draw so many correlations and so many, you know, um, regression analysis and put things together, like causations, right? Did this cause this or is this just sort of, you know, um, somehow related? And so with these tools now, you have this ability, it's able to ingest all of this data and give you insights you might not even have really been able to put together. Like I think we saw in some of the you know, metrics we were doing, um, uh, donors and game day guarantee, guarantees or something, right? Something that you maybe wouldn't have put together um, naturally that because those engines, right, are able to process through it, they're able to provide those insights. So I think there's... There's kind of like, you know, 87 different ways to present the data. And there really is sometimes more than one way to do it. It's it's really about learning the tools and learning about what your audience likes to see and how they like to, you know, interpret the information. No, that's great, Maria. It's a great summary. And once we get to that stage, how do you suggest that business offices can use that data to both make key decisions and then as well drive organizational change? Right. So I think when it comes to A, it's making sure that the story you're trying to tell is in line with your organizational objectives or, you know, what you're trying to do with you in, in the organization. So let's say, for instance, you're trying to enhance the student experience in your athletic program. So maybe that's not all quantitative data. Maybe some of that's qualitative data that requires surveys and things. And what you want to do, right, is be able to track how you're performing against that metric. So it's setting a goal and saying, you know, we want to see improvement of X within the next six months and then tracking that and then looking at how you're progressing against that, you know, that metric. And I think that ultimately, you know, you can't, it's hard to make change if you're not measuring something. So how do you know if you're improving, right? It's just sort of a gut feeling. People are smiling at you as you're walking across campus. Probably not. Right. So it's really about capturing the data in a way that's meaningful and then partnering that against um, your strategic objectives and then making a plan. Right. So then you the tactical plan of, yeah, we didn't hit it. OK, let's see is if there's information in the data that gives us a root cause of why we didn't hit it. Right. Is there something that the data is showing us? Oh, we've got a problem with, you know, cross country all of these students are really unhappy or, you know, maybe you're tracking academic progress and it's like, you know, what happened to baseball? They're, they're, they're falling off the, the average there. So I think that's where it helps to mm -hmm. determine, you know, how close are you to your objectives and do you need to tweak and make changes? Yeah. And I think something that's missing from that right now, from that in athletics right now is really a holistic look of, all of the potential root causes and inputs into things that result that then help to drive decisions. And, you know, so often we see, you know, universities with CRMs that link to your ticketing platform that helps you to monitor potential donors and, you know, current donors and, and where to sell tickets and, and 
a lot of revenue generating activities, which is very important. Um, but I think there's additional things like, you know, student athlete experience, um, academic performance rates, uh, you know, a variety of things where potentially, especially as you start to look at the data and start to see trends over time that financial and non-financial information kind of comes together to really complete the financial story. And so having more of a balanced approach um, to looking at that and, and a term that's used in the um, corporate world is balanced scorecard. And there've been some thought leaders in athletics. Um, I know there's some articles in Athletic Director U on balanced scorecard. Um, and it's not something we really see a lot utilized in the industry. Um, we, we would like to see uh, schools start using that and, and see how it works and see if it helps your athletic director and other senior leadership really understand their role in driving strategic change because it links to your strategic plan. It's whatever metrics are important to that individual. That's what you're looking at. So, and then all of that can kind of roll up into a master high level view that maybe helps your AD monitor. Um, and then as you get lower down, uh, your data might and your metrics might be a little bit more in the weeds to really help you manage that. Um, so, I mean, I think utilizing some of these tools can help you really shift from being, you know, kind of spending your time putting financial information together to meet reporting requirements um, and instead really utilizing those numbers to your advantage and and helping to um, really have a, a louder voice at the table. Um, so I'm going to put Marie on the spot and ask a couple additional questions, um, but uh, she's been spending some time with me the last month or so talking to different schools and other people who work in athletics and um, would just like to hear from her like what you're what you've seen in your conversations where you might see that there's some opportunity yeah i think one is around reporting right so ncaa reporting and having to, to pull out that financial data and aggregate it in the way so then it can be right either uploaded to the to the website or in some instances hand keyed and that process you know depending on who's performing it that can be a relatively painless process or painful process right has it been automated inside of the organization you know is the information being captured at the granularity that's necessary ultimately right for um, the downstream reporting and so one of the tools that we use in-house here is a tool called Alteryx, which is really around that data wrangling exercise and the ability to sum and aggregate data in a way that can match the NCAA reporting. And so instead of something taking, right, eight hours or two weeks or however long it's taking an organization, right, we can drastically reduce that amount of time and make it repeatable. So instead of just doing it once a year, it's something that could be done monthly. So I talked about the feeling of the data. Well, if you're doing this process monthly because it's fast now and you're not having to manually manipulate your data, you can say, oh, something came through in February. I'm going to need to adjust that. So instead of waiting right until the very end of the year to do all of these adjustments, you can be doing them as the, you know, as the months are progressing. So you're not doing this huge data exercise at, at the end of the year. So I think there's a pretty significant time savings, especially if, right, just the, the exercise of pulling the data and then getting it in the right, you know, with the right line items and then doing your matching back and forth. I think that depend that could be a, a huge opportunity for, for people out there right now that might be spending a lot of time trying to put that all together. 
Yeah, thank you, Marie. And, and you know, a point you made earlier, it was interesting. We pulled, just to kind of do some exercises behind the scenes is we pulled um, some, all the night commission data and into our system to see where we were kind of, where our system was even using its own mind to look for correlations. And it was really interesting. Something I never thought about was the correlation between the level of donations you get and the amount of game guarantees that you pay. And, and it makes complete sense. I don't know if that particular metric will help drive any change or anything, but um, but it it goes to show that when you put everything together, you might look at something a little bit differently, especially when you're in the weeds and you find one thing to kind of focus on and really try to hit home, especially if it's to complete the story that maybe the media is missing um, or to help your AD better communicate with the president or your league about certain information. So, um, you know, not missing, not missing out on potentially other information if you have everything in one place. Um, so that, that was just another interesting thing that I saw that um, kind of, it was kind of a light bulb moment for me. I think we spend so much time trying just to pull the data together and format it and get it in something presentable. Sometimes we miss the pic like the big picture or the story that's underlying. Like, sure, you're probably doing variance analysis, but those correlations, right, th those are harder to piece together because you've got one line item up here, you got one down there, and you're not really seeing how those things, those transactions are moving. Uh, together. And so when you're able to to stop spending so much time just putting it together, but then really take a step back and look at it, oftentimes you find sort of like sort of aha moments, right? Things that mm -hmm. you didn't even recognize were in in the data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, something else Ken and I have spent a lot of time working with schools and, and conferences even on looking at, you know, what are some lessons learned at during the pandemic and how can you maybe sustain some of the changes that were made um, for the betterment of, you know, your budget, your athlete experience, et cetera. And I think if you have that information, um, it can show, I mean, it, you know, some topics we've heard people talk about um, like recruiting or, um, you know, scheduling and, and the location of games and who your opponents are and how you're traveling there. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of things, Ken, I don't know if you have any other thoughts as to, you know, where the pandemic um, and and even just having to be more strict on your budget and how how this exercise can maybe help be a little more forward thinking. Yeah, no, I think you hit on a couple of the big ones. I mean, the biggest one I think that we've heard the most is in the travel area, you know, just really looking at from a scheduling standpoint. Um, are there things that can be done to really help um, reduce the amount of overnight stays, which not only saves money, but also saves uh, time away from classes for student athletes uh, and can help them and improve their experience from that standpoint. So um, there's a lot of things in the travel area, and that also involves, you know, a lot with respect to scheduling and then uh, coordination with other schools and so forth that, that um, I'd be surprised if we don't see some long lasting impact of that carried on after the pandemic is over. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think it's a toss up, like, it makes sense to see some long lasting impact, but it's also very easy to revert the way you used to do things um, when you feel like things are back to normal. And um, I, I feel like, you know, financially, it's going to take longer to get back to normal than socially. And so, 
you know, maybe this is a opp good opportunity for business offices to use this data to really help persuade and, and provide another perspective on some of those decisions and, and at least facilitate some conversations around it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, um, wanting to um, now shift to our brews of the month. Um, so first I'll start with you, Marie. Um, what are you having today? So I have the Shiner Strawberry Blonde. So it's a seasonal, um, seasonal one here. It's uh, out of Texas. Strawberries, you know, haven't, haven't actually tried it yet. So. <laughs> Strawberry. Strawberry. Yeah. Strawberry-esque. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like it. Well, um, we decided to get away from our IPA, um, even though I have featured more than IPAs here, but we had a special request for sours. And so um, I am having the, um, it's from Tripping Animals Brewing, which is in South Florida. And it's a limonada sour ale with lemon and tea. So I felt like, okay, it's an Arnold Palmer. It's sporty. Like, and it's, I mean, I do like Arnold Palmer's. It's, I don't love sours. Um, but this one, the more I drink it, the more I like it, which maybe it's difficult. <laughs> but, um, and what sour are you enjoying? So I was uh, unable to get completely away from the IPAs. So I'm actually drinking a sour IPA uh, from Almanac Brewing, which is in Southern California. Um, this one is uh, with Pisces hops and it is with uh, cherries and apricots. Um, and um, while I would never pick it uh, over a traditional IPA, um, I am enjoying it. Um, so Angela, this this one's for you. <laughs> and I feel like the IPA sour mixes are good like transition beers. If you don't like sours, start there. If you don't like IPAs, start there. So um, highly recommend something like that. Um, well, Marie, thank you for joining us. Um, we're thank so you glad you're me. part of the James Moore team and uh, look forward to continuing to hear some of your insights um, as things progress in the industry. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Cheers. 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 To learn more about the James Moore and Company Collegiate Athletics and Higher Education segments, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to sign up for insights to get our latest industry updates, news and events delivered straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at JMCO Higher Ed and on LinkedIn for the latest news as the landscape of collegiate athletics and higher education is continually evolving.